name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, my beloved, the passage that the Church has chosen for us on the second Sunday of the month of Abib comes from Matthew chapter 18. And the disciples, as we know from the Gospel of Mark, were quarreling among themselves, who is the greatest? Matthew kind of covers this, uh, this aspect, and he jumps right into the question, that they were quarreling among themselves about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So the Lord, to answer their debate with one another, brings a little child in front of them, and he tells them, unless you are converted and become like this little child, you have no part in the kingdom of heaven. Basically, he's telling them that humility is required for the kingdom of heaven. To be humble like this little child is required. So the quarreling among yourselves about who is greater is not going to get anyone to the kingdom of heaven. But unless you're converted and become like this little child, then you can be worthy of the kingdom of heaven. And he says, whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. So when we receive a little child, just like as we receive the the Lord Christ himself. And I have to keep in mind at that time, the little children were the, the ones who were the most uh, unvalued, right? Or the ones who seemed to be the most insignificant. And you'll find this common theme through the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he looks for the insignificant and the outcast to invite them to the kingdom of heaven. And I think I'd like to reflect a little bit this morning about reflecting God's value in our relationship. The Lord Christ valued the outcast. He valued the insignificant. He valued the child. He valued the widow. He valued everyone, right? So I'd like for us to today just kind of look at ourselves and see, do I value the people around me as the Lord Jesus would value them and give us something to hopefully apply in the end? So who are the devalued perhaps in our life? Who is it that we probably often devalue? Maybe, like the disciples, we devalue the young, those people who are young in age. We think they're insignificant. These are you know, just little children. We don't need to give them much attention. So maybe the young people, we devalue them. Um, and we can devalue little kids in many ways. Primarily for them is not listening to them. When they speak, we don't give them any attention. This tells them that when I speak, I'm not valuable. Or what I have to say is not important. Um, This is number one. Number two, or perhaps we devalue the unpopular. The ones who perhaps are not the most accepted in the community. If I have a group of friends, the people who are outside, I don't value much because they're not part of the community. They're not not part of my friend group. They're not part of my uh, people that I like to gather with. So I don't consider them as being valuable. This is what happened with Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, and the tax collectors were known at that time to be people who were considered as uh, traitors to to the Jews because they were Jew themselves, but then they were cheating the Jews, their own people, for the sake of the Romans and for their own wealth. For the people always looked at them as being traitors, so they were outcast to the point where Zacchaeus had to go and climb up into a sycamore tree to see the Lord Jesus because he wasn't accepted by his peers, but it was him that the Lord called by name and said, today I'm going to come to your house. None of the other people in the crowd. 
So perhaps I devalue those who are unpopular and those who I cannot benefit from. I'm I don't have anything to benefit from these people. Perhaps I devalue the inferior, or at least those whom I consider to be inferior to me. The whole like um, system by which we rank people is insignificant because at the end of the day, we're not anybody's judge, right? And we're not going to judge anyone. So that's why I'm saying inferior according to, the, to my standard. Perhaps a husband might think that his wife is inferior than to him, so he doesn't uh, value her. Uh, perhaps um, a worker, you know, who, uh, if I'm a boss or I'm a manager, I because these people are lower than me in the rank and the work, I don't value them. I feel like, okay, they're doing the work and I'm up here and all I have to do is give them orders and they should just do it. Again, I don't value them. I don't value the people. I only value the work. Perhaps there are certain jobs we might think that are less honorable, so the people who do them must be unvaluable. The people who perhaps are janitors, the people who um, uh, who are garbage collectors, or whatever it is, you know, do we associate a work with a person, and therefore we devalue that person because of the work that they do? Perhaps those who are in a lower social status than me, I devalue. I devalue them. I don't look at them as being valuable. Another group are the sinners. Again, those whom we categorize as being sinners. <clears throat> if you remember the story of the sinful woman who came into the house of Simon the Pharisee, what did he say? He said, this man, speaking about the Lord Jesus, of course we know the story, she comes in uninvited, she uh, weeps at the Lord's feet and wipes his feet with her tears and her hair, uh, and then you know, Simon didn't do any of these uh, things as a welcoming to the Lord. So Simon said into his mind about the Lord Jesus when he sees the woman you know, wiping his feet with her hair and her tears, he says, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. He categorized her as a sinner, and therefore she's not welcome. She's unvaluable. He should just cast her off. He wouldn't allow, shouldn't allow her to touch him like this, because she's a sinner. And he wanted to rebuke Simon, and, and told him, of course, the story uh, had him evaluate, you know, um, what he did, what she did versus what he did not do, right? So sometimes we put people in categories of sinners and then we disassociate them with, with them, right? Um, we need to be careful of devaluing people who are sinners because at the end of the day, we're all in that same boat, you know? God forbid that Christ look at us and label us as sinners and therefore devalue us. Where would we go before the face of God? Sometimes we will devalue the foreigners, the people who are strangers. And this is very unfortunate. When maybe somebody who looks different than we do, or talks a different language than we do, we think that they're less valuable, or they're not worth our attention, they're not worth even our greeting or saying hello. When somebody who's a stranger comes into, into the church, do we look them up and down, or do we greet them with a smile? Or are we just checking them out and say, what, what, what are you doing here? You know, what's our response? You know, um, do we value them as one of our own? Um, maybe somebody who has a different value and upbringing, a different moral standard. <clears throat> um, another common uh, group of people that the Lord often tried to address and reach out to during his ministry were the Samaritans. The Samaritans were considered as for, by the Jews to be unpure, unholy, because they mixed with the Gentile nations. 
and they didn't have really a place to worship because they were in the north in Jerusalem and the temple was in the south. So they looked at them as being, you know, a defiled nation. But oftentimes Christ addresses and teaches through the Samaritans. We can remember several of these. If you remember the story of the Samaritan woman, right? He met with her at the well, and she was a Samaritan, and a woman and a sinner at that. But he met with her and transformed her into an evangelist. The parable of the Good Samaritan. The priest and the Levite were the ones who passed by the man who was beaten. But the one who stopped to help, the Lord says, is what? Was a Samaritan, right? Somebody who was a foreigner in their eyes, and somebody who was an outcast, and somebody who was devalued in their eyes. But Christ found value in them, and wanted us to find value in them or the people at the time. If you remember the story as well, where the Lord healed ten lepers, and only one came back to say, to say thank you. And the Lord praised him. He says, didn't I heal nine? Or the other nine? Where are the other nine? I healed ten. And then he mentioned the last part of this verse, and this man who returned was whom? Was a Samaritan. A foreigner. Right? Sometimes we devalue the foreigner. And sometimes, um, and I hope never to our uh, judgment, is we devalue the disabled. The people who are born in a way that are less fortunate than maybe the most of us. Right? Who have some kind of handicap. We devalue somebody like this. Like the little child, when we devalue them, we devalue the Lord Jesus himself. And there's often a group of people who are protected by the hand of God or protected by God. Those are the ones who are the fatherless, the widows who have no protector, and those who are like disabled. <clears throat> so these are some people who sometimes we devalue. So what are some signs to evaluate ourselves, am I a person who devalues people around us? Is there somebody in my life who I do not value? Number one, if I gossip and slander about a person, I usually I don't value them. How can I value them if I don't value their reputation? Gossip and slander is meant about attacking a person's reputation and making them look bad, whether online or in person with certain friends or uh, a certain uh, group. And I'm willing to sacrifice another person's reputation for my temporary satisfaction. I can't value somebody that I gossip or slander about. I can't value someone if I feel superior to them. Um, and this can be perhaps in some certain settings where I feel superior to them. If in my profession I feel superior to other people, then I can't really value them. When I'm playing sports with my friends, if I'm perhaps a little bit more skilled than they, I can't value them if I don't ever want them to play because we might lose an insignificant game if they're on my team. Who cares if we lose, right? We're not getting paid. We're not, you know, playing for some championship. Sometimes we feel superior in our possessions, in our, mon our status in terms of how much wealth we have. So the people who have less than us, I feel like, oh, I can't associate with them. They're far and more insignificant than me. Perhaps in our education, I feel because I have two PhDs and so many different other degrees behind my name, and I have this position that I can't speak to somebody and have a good conversation with somebody who's a simple man. 
Sometimes I might be the one who devalues if I encourage sinful behavior in my brother or my sister. If I encourage someone to a sinful behavior, and I know the result of this sinful behavior could be their judgment, how can I value them? Somebody who loves and is a good friend will care about the salvation of the people whom they love. But if I don't care about them, how can I say that I value them? I don't. I actually value myself and justify myself for whatever sin that I'm committing at the expense of somebody else. So if I promote sin in another person, then I don't really value them. If I exploit someone or take advantage of someone for my own personal gain, then I can't value them. You know, there was a, uh, a movie that was released recently, um, uh, and it was addressing the issue of child trafficking. Um, and if you look at this kind of growing um, crime, again, it's towards our children. You couple that with um, those who support um, abortion, also against our children. How can we value ourselves if we're people are after the children? What can we say as a human race, as God's children? Then we're, we're certainly these are signs of we're not following God's way, because the way of the enemy, the way of Satan, is the way of destruction. And when we begin to destroy our own children, this is evil and cruel, and certainly not a way to. Um, uh, glorify God. We're going to exploit others, take advantage of others for our own personal gain. Maybe not to that extent, but I can take advantage of my friend and colleague um, just so I can benefit from them. When I neglect someone, I don't value them because I say to myself, they're not worth my time or my effort, so I neglect them. Then they're not valuable, not willing to reconcile with them my husband, my wife, my children, my friends, if I don't want to reconcile with one, someone and say, Khalas, it's hopeless, there's no, there's no hope in this relationship, and this doesn't mean I don't, I don't value them. And woe to those who do this with their husband or wife, because the Lord, uh, St. Paul says, he who loves his wife loves himself, and he who loves her husband loves herself. Right? So when, when we can't speak with one another, to reconcile with one another, then how can I say I value that person? If I don't value them, then I don't value myself either. Lastly, the lack of compassion and mercy. Again, another person is not worthy of my empathy or my care. And this is exactly, as I mentioned, what Simon the Pharisee did with the woman who entered into his house. <clears throat> so, lastly, how can I reflect God's value in my relationships. The, the couple of the readings today addressed three small points that I'll mention. In uh, the Vespers Psalm last night, it began by saying, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Those who fear the Lord are those who are aware of the presence of God at all times in their life. They see Him and they feel His presence whether they're at work, whether they're driving on the road, whether they're with their friends, whether they're in the church, they feel God's presence everywhere. And if I fear God, and I always ask myself, what would the Lord Jesus do in this moment, in this moment in my life? 
then when it comes to a point where I, you know, look to value the people around me, if I consider God at all times, then I would value them as He values them. Even the little child, even the person maybe who's disabled, even the person who maybe might we consider as being annoying, or somebody who's not part of my friend group, or the foreigner that comes to the door. If I fear God and I keep Him always before me, then I will learn to value the people who are around me in the same way that He values them. The second we find in the Pauline epistle of today, um, and this was the chapter 1 from the book of Galatians. And uh, St. Paul begins this epistle um, and he expresses to the Galatians how he's marveled at how fast they switch to another gospel. He had finished preaching to them the true gospel and quickly after he left, they began to accept, you know, these heretical kind of ideas. So he writes them this letter and he says, how is it that I've preached to you so, you know, quickly and then you, you leave so quickly? Uh, and he repeated twice, don't accept any other gospel besides the one I preached to. And if you do, let him who does so be anathemized or be accursed, be excommunicated. And he repeated this twice. Then he says to them, what? He says, for do I persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? If I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. If I pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So in order for us to value one another, as God values them, we have to desire to please Him and not other people. Right? Agreeing with people and going with whatever it is that they think, even if it's wrong or sinful or untrue, is not loving them. Because then I encourage their damnation or their condemnation. Because I encourage them to live in a lie. But telling the, the truth in love, this is what's going to save them. And this is what St. Paul is saying here. He's like, I'm not here to please men, to please you, but to please God. And listen to what he says. He continues at the end of the passage. He says, afterward, so he speaks about how he went after his conversion uh, to Christianity. He went to Arabia, and there Christ taught him for three years uh, the faith. And then he went to the apostles afterwards to confirm the faith with them. Then he says, afterward, I went to the region of Syria and Cilicia, and also the, uh, I was unknown to the faces of the churches in Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us and now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. So he went to this region uh, in Judea, and the people didn't really know him, but all they did was hear about him, how the one who used to persecute the church is now preaching the church. And then he ends and he says, and they glorified God in me. They glorified God in his repentance and his conversion. The person who at the beginning used to devalue us and look to us that we are unworthy and unfit to live is now the one who is willing to die for our life and our salvation. You see? So he looked to please God and not men. And in doing so, he learned to value the people who were around him. My beloved, when we learn and we get uh, approach uh, uh, closer to God in our relationship with Him and we desire to please Him, this will in turn lead us to value the people who are around us as God values them. The last one came from the Gospel and this is the apparent one of humility. And he, I remind you, he says, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The humble person is not necessarily the person who makes himself the lowest. The humble person 
is who enjoys raising the people around him. Raising the people around him. And again, this is what the Lord Jesus did. As being the prime example of somebody who is humble, he raised the people who were around him. The one who was an outcast, he restored. The one who was sick, he healed. The one who was maimed and couldn't walk, he allowed them to rise. The one who was blind, he opened the blind. He even the playing field. He wanted everybody to be, to raise uh, up, to be in his likeness. And then he gave us the warning that if we cause one of these little ones to stumble, he says it would be better if a millstone, you know the millstone was a very large stone that the donkeys would uh, pull in a circle to grind the wheat. And this very large stone, the Lord says, if you cause one of these little ones to sin, it's better for that stone to be tied around our neck and thrown into the sea. Right? This seems very harsh. But this tells us how much He wants us to value one another. And He's telling His disciples, if you don't learn to value one another, how will you preach the gospel? Then you will be you do make the same mistake that the Jews made. The gospel is for these people, but not for these people. Unless you learn to value everyone, then it's not really the gospel of good news for everyone. It's the gospel for the select few, which is not the will of God from the beginning. So this is necessary for all of us to humble ourselves like the children and to value everyone as the Lord Christ valued. And if we didn't, He gave us that image for us to keep in our mind. But if we do value everyone like this little child, then we become like God. And the verse, the gospel of today ended in chapter, in verse 9. In chapter, in verse 10, what does he say? He says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What does this mean? He's saying here that those who value the little children, or those who value those who seem to be devalued, their angel always see the face of the Father in heaven. And who's their angel? It's their guardian angel. According to St. John Chrysostom, he believes that every person, every human being, regardless of Christian or not Christian, has this guardian angel. And those who value these little children, and value those who are outcasts, and those who are devalued, are their guardian angel have this special access to the Father. Maybe the rest of us or the other people, their their angel needs permission to go before the Father. But those angels who represent a human who uh, has compassion on the outcast and the weak and the rejected, they go in very easily before the Father. So we find we have greater access to the Father when we value His uh, children and His outcasts. Maybe could they consider some of the things that we said today and see my, of those who value the people around me or do I need to work and value those who are around me to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.